Welcome to the Inside Out Podcast, a podcast for and by alumni and the current students of sports studies. The study ISMB International Sports Management and Business and the Dutch counterpart SMO Sports Management and Underneiming. Fantastic to have you listening in today. My name is Ross, our current ISMB student. And I'm Peter. I'm a teacher at ISMB and SMO. Today we're going to talk to the lovely Jessie Smading. She's an ISMB alumna. Welcome, Jesse. By the way, you are our first ISMB guest. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's yep. a pleasure. The reason why we invited you here today is because you, we believe that you have had an impressive life already uh, at your young age. Uh, and we think that our listeners can learn and draw some inspiration from your story. So whether it's living or studying and working in five countries in the past years or donating your time to volunteer for multiple organizations or even co-founding a marketing agency, uh, we want to hear and learn from your experiences. So let's get right into it, okay? Yeah, sounds good. Let's start with your most recent endeavor, which is co-founding a marketing agency amidst the pandemic. Yeah. What was that like? <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't initially my plan. Um, I was studying in uh, the UK at the time of uh, the COVID outbreak, and unfortunately I had to come back. And it wasn't the best time to look for jobs. So I was doing a little bit of freelance translating and seeing where that would go. Mm-hmm. But I bumped into one of my friends in a, in a cafe here in Amsterdam and uh, we got chatting. I hadn't seen her in, I think, six, seven years. And she explained that she was doing some freelance marketing and had some big projects coming up. And um, she asked, yeah, do you want to join me? We can see how this goes. Yeah. And uh, from there, it kind of grew. <laughs> and we... Um, yeah, we succeeded in a few projects and now we work with three people full time and a collective of freelancers. I think we're with a team of 10 now. Awesome. And wow. uh, yeah, have some really cool clients and projects going on and have an office and everything. So it wasn't the initial plan, but it's um, been an amazing ride so far. Yeah. Yeah. So let's take a little step back. You went back to Amsterdam because of the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, were you still working towards your master's? Yeah. So I was writing my thesis at the time that I came back. Um, it was really hot last summer. So I remember sitting at my table with all the windows open, the doors open yeah. and sitting in my bikini in the middle of Amsterdam trying to write my thesis. But um, my thesis had nothing to do with marketing either because um, I studied at Loughborough University yeah. and did my master's in social science research in sport and exercise science. So went more down the sport route. And when I came back, the sport market, obviously because of Corona, wasn't the best place to look for a job. So I really, I've always wanted to work in sport, but yeah, I don't right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't. Um, but you're busy. Um, yeah. and, and last year, so it was the pandemic. Uh, it was your thesis. Mm-hmm. It was starting up a company. Mm-hmm. It was the, the, the hot summer heat. Yeah. Um, and how are things going right now? Yeah, they're actually going really well. I think um, you hear a lot of stories about Corona and how it's been such a tough time on people from different uh, yeah, ways of living and working from home. Um, For me, Corona has been an incredible time to actually chase opportunities and take everything I could. And because of Corona, I think the company is where it's at now. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of companies, when it comes to marketing, have decided to either throw their marketing out the window and go with agencies because there's less stress on having to pay people every month, obviously, and being able to turn it on and off when they want to. And also companies that think, okay, we need to go digital now. We need some help. So Corona has been a really tough time 
um, on a lot of people. But for me, when it comes to work, I definitely think it's been the start of something great. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of, you know, juggling different things and where do you find the time for all this? We are just talking <laughs> about. Yeah. Um, well, I definitely think I've always been a really busy person. Um, I love being busy. I can't sit still. So, and I think it's all about planning and my friends will laugh at me at this. I'm the biggest planner <laughs> in the world. I'll time block my whole day. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think effective and efficient working as well and knowing when to stop and just relax because working until 12 o'clock at night has never been my thing. Okay. Uh, when I did ISMB, it was also, I was always the person that would finish a project two weeks before. Oh, so yeah, I didn't make very many, yeah, I'm that person. <laughs> we're, we're I didn't make very many friends. <laughs> no, so I think that's always been in me to time block, but um, I used to swim at quite a high level okay. and uh, I get up at quarter to five in the morning yep. Swim for two hours, um, go to school, do my whole school day, and then had to go back to the pool or to the gym. Wow. So I think from a young age, I've learned that, okay, you need to prioritize certain things and save energy for certain elements of the day. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. If you learn from a young age, just that work ethic, I guess it's yeah. going to fold you through. And in yeah. terms of if you have to get up for seven or eight for work, that's a piece of cake if you get up at five. Yeah, well, you'd think so, but um, I cannot get up a quarter to six anymore quarter to five that that's a hard one Those so days are gone yeah that, that's gone but seven o'clock is fine I can that's do fine. that Sli sleeping in right <laughs> yes yeah, absolutely um you mentioned uh knowing when to stop as well right so you plan your day and then you get yeah. to work and then knowing and understanding when to stop yeah uh, is that also something that you've always known or did you have to some learning to do in that regard um, in some elements, I've always known when to stop. Um, when I was swimming, for example, that was the perfect example. Um, everybody always says, stop at your peak. Um, I kind of tipped over the peak and it went down again. Yeah. Um, but in terms of general um, life, I've always had a problem with stopping too early, actually, mm. um, because I've been afraid to fail, um, because I always thought failure, okay, I don't want to do that, so I'll just stop before I can fail. And this is the first time that I've actually done something and want to continue and I don't mind failing because I actually have a passion for it in terms of marketing and things like that and also with internships I think um, there's lots of different facets and elements of when you want to stop and when you don't I think it's very dependent on the passion you have for it so sometimes you'll go that extra step further right and do a little bit too much and other times I do know when to stop on time so I, I think it's it's very dependent on the situation okay yeah cool and you said I've always been afraid to fail but now not anymore. So you've you've jumped into this big venture. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you're not afraid to fail anymore. Yeah. What happened there? Yeah, I think um, when I was studying and uh, as a young age, I was a really bad team player. I, I wasn't a team player. I'd rather do it myself because I then knew that it would happen the way I wanted. Um, also with my peers at school, I don't think anybody ever wanted to work with me unless they knew that they would get a good grade and it would be done two <laughs> weeks before. <laughs> um, so um, when I started this adventure with two others, I suddenly fell in love with working with others because they were better than me and they knew more. Push on. Yeah, exactly. And you learn that if you surround yourself with people that have more expertise or knowledge about a certain area or subject, that it can really drive you and then you trust others in the process and then it's less scary to fail because you're sharing and you're learning at the same time. So the responsibility is not all yeah, in you, it's shared. Exactly. And I've learned to actually delegate as well. 
So ah, that, that okay. helps. Lots so of learnings. How did you learn to delegate? When did that come about? Was that during your studies or internships that you had to do that? or um, No, it's actually been the last year that I've started working, that I've surrounded myself with people that know more than me and that we've had a project and I'd start it and then think, wait, this is actually actually a project for a company. If I was to do it, I'd work let's say, a week on the project, but someone sitting next to me would work two days on it because they just have more knowledge than me. And I'd been in those situations before, but I've always been really eager to learn. So I'd put my put my head down and just go for it because I'd think, okay, I'll get more out of it at the end. But when, in the real working life, you can't say to a client, oh, it's going to be two weeks yeah, later. So sure. I was kind of forced into it, but it's it's been a good thing. Is that is that a, Do you have a specific example where you're like, oh, maybe in the past I would have taken this on myself, but now I feel really comfortable delegating? Um, well, in terms of um, work, I would definitely say I used to say yes to everything. So even things that I didn't have the knowledge about. Mm-hmm. So when we just started, we would always we also offered websites and I'd never built a website in my life. So I was up until 12 o'clock at night trying to figure out WordPress. Not that we right. built them ourselves, but we offered them as a product. Sure. So when I was speaking to a client, I'd have to say, OK, this is what we offer. This is how it works. But I had no idea. So I was up until 12 at night for a week trying to figure it out and then at one point I was like wait I'm better at other things right so I'll let my colleague do that and I'll just focus on the things that I actually don't have to stay up until 12 at night to do (laughs) okay yeah clear so that also comes from knowing yourself in terms of knowing your skill set specifically and then applying that to whatever you do so how did you also get to know what you're good at was it trial and fail well, like I said before, I don't like failing that much. So okay, well, I've always <laughs> done things that I knew I was good at um, or knew that I would succeed in. Um, but yeah, definitely trial and error and always saying yes. I think that's one of the big things. Even if you have no idea, just say yes and figure it out on the on the way because otherwise you're not going to learn it. And those are the amazing things about doing the internships. You kind of get thrown into this, yeah, figuratively speech of, of nothing and you have to figure it out and I think that's such an important element of life because you can go to university and you can go to school and learn all these theories but when it comes to real life yes yeah it sounds really serious but, it, but it's oh, so true and, and you learn so much by just figuring it out on yourself because everybody does it differently as well yeah. so you have to find your way of doing things I think that's why we, we did our study we do yeah. our study because yeah. Your practical learning, you put, you put right in there and then yeah. you just have to figure it out. It's not, yeah. okay, here's the book and then you've got these exact definitions of what to do. No, yeah. it's never like that. Yeah, I, I um, remember thinking, okay, I've learned all these theories. I've got to now put them into practice and you can't because no. the theory, mm. it's the theory and you have to change it. And I think that's what we've learned in the internships is exactly how, how life is. Yeah. It's all great. You can learn how it is supposed to go, but it never goes that way. Unless, yes, some elements maybe, but not the whole thing. And the way it's going right now, are you enjoying that journey? Are you enjoying that path? It seems so, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Loving, loving it every day and learning every day. And I think that's something that just keeps you motivated to do things because every day is slightly different. And of course, you get into the the grind, as they call it, and you keep on doing things that you did the week before as well. But it's also because you've got so many different things going on, you have to juggle so many things that it makes it exciting because once you've, you've finished with one thing, it's straight on to the straight next. On to the next. Yeah. yeah, never a dull moment. Never a dumb, dull moment, no. Love that, just like this podcast, never a dull moment. <laughs> never a dull moment. <laughs> so far, so good, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, there, there's another thing that kind of triggered me uh, because you said you you got together where and you saw a need where um, companies were looking for help 
because they they uh, they needed help in their marketing mm-hmm. and, and they weren't familiar with the digital side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it kind of speaks to your characteristics of, of your willingness to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about you know how how that plays into your daily business life and how uh, you've built that foundation uh, on all the charity work that you've done, volunteer work. Yeah, I think I've always, people always ask, what's your hobby? And um, I never really had a hobby. But what I did know is that I loved helping people either feel better during their day or be a better version of themselves. And that sounds really cliche, but I've done that in lots of different elements. That's something that's always come back in everything that I've done. Um, When I stopped um, swimming, I kind of fell into this loss of identity and I didn't really know what I was going to do or how I was going to fill in those holes in my day. So I got the opportunity to go to Africa and um, I had no idea what I was going to do. I was 17 at the time or no, even younger, 16. And um, I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to go to Africa, it's going to have to be a win-win. And so I went to the local toy shop and I filled up this bag with tennis rackets and balls and skipping ropes. I was like, okay, if there's one thing I know that helps, it's sport, because that's something that I'd learned from a young age. It had always been my go-to. And um, I went to the Gambia and there was this orphanage and I went up to the, he was called Uncle, and I think he was like 90 years old. And I told Mm. him with my feet and hands how I was going to organize a sports day. And um, that was, I think, the first moment seeing all those kids playing with skipping ropes and balls and tennis rackets that I was like, this is the feeling that you want to get in a daily that you're not only doing things for yourself, but also for others. And you could see those little kids running around. And I was like, yeah, but this is so much more fun. I, I would love to do this every day. So I always wanted to go into the sport development side and do things like that. But I think there are so many different ways in life that you can help other people. And um, I've worked for different charities and done lots of different volunteering work, but also my work today, even though it's commercial and it's marketing and it's lots of people say, oh, it's all about making money. Still every day I'm talking to clients and I'm helping them be a little bit better. So I think my view has changed of helping others. It doesn't necessarily have to be in a volunteering role or working for a charity. It can also just be in your daily yeah. daily life yeah sure yeah cool so it manifests itself yeah in everything. day in day out yeah yeah, yeah 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 cool and um um so you're t- you're talking about your journey to africa and how you got triggered there into helping uh, uh some locals mm-hmm. um you were 17 at the time and then comes a decision okay what do i want to do with my studies yeah uh, okay take us a bit lo- back to that process a little bit yeah absolutely so um in holland you can um when you're at secondary school you can also fail your last year of secondary school um that's what i did (laughs) (laughs) so it wasn't a great no no no, i don't like failing but uh yeah i failed my last year and um i wanted to actually uh, become a sports teacher um but i failed and kind of had a year to think okay what do i really want to do and that's when i find found ismb and i was like okay wait this is more than just doing sport this is also all the theories around it and and that little bit more so um i failed but i think that was the best time to fail because that's when I found the study that I actually wanted to do and um yeah I got I still remember getting the email that I that I'd been that I was allowed to do the study and I've I've never been that happy because it was finally something that I really felt I would I wanted to do and I would be good at yeah so um yeah I got admitted to the study and since then have taken all opportunities that that I could and um yeah it's been an incredible journey yeah 
Yeah. And um, so from the start of, of, of ISMB and, and you felt a passion for uh, uh, sports development and uh, now, of course, you venture into business. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you see it a little bit longer term? Do you still see yourself going back to your original ambition for sports development and, and being a little bit more connected to sports, perhaps? Um, definitely connected to sports. So we have a few clients that are, are sport related and mm-hmm. I always feel more comfortable yeah. in with those clients because it's, it's a language you speak and you right. know exactly what they're expecting and how to do it. So the girls always say to me, Jess, this is yours and handball it over. Um, in terms of sports development, I still believe in, in the power of sport and how sport can be such an incredible tool to make you feel better, regardless if it's in a development country or just throughout the pandemic working out. You know, it's such a powerful tool. So I think sport will always be something that I feel a passion towards and want to do. But I don't know where it's going to go. Hopefully, there'll be some more sports clients that I can work with. But right. sport development, I, I definitely would want to do something with it. But how and where and what, I don't know yet. Yeah. And yeah. in terms of like juggling your internships as well, yeah. like choosing where you wanted to go, how did you find that process? And you ended up in some pretty cool places as you joined. Yeah, I did. Um, my first internship, I uh, went to Vietnam. And that wasn't the initial plan because I really wanted to go to Curacao and just work in a surf school and just <laughs> chill. chill. On the beach. Exactly. Right that was pretty that, solid plan, right? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Like but uh, there was a teacher at ISMV, and I don't know if I'm allowed to uh, name names, but she was very adamant about the fact that that wasn't going to happen. Um, and that was the pioneer year of us going to um, the international schools. Right. And um, so she said, okay, no, Jess, you're going to go to Vietnam. It's working for the United Nations. It will look amazing on your CV. Go. And I was still in my mindset. I was like, no, I'm going to go to Curacao and I'm just going to (laughs) lie on the beach. But uh, I did actually, they didn't approve that internship. So I had to go to Vietnam. And uh, that was incredible because it was working for the United Nations and helping the locals learn to swim. There are a lot of people or children in Vietnam due to the war also that are disabled. Okay. And couldn't swim. So that was a project that they were setting up. So that another thing that it was helping others. And it was really, really an incredible experience. And also living in Asia, completely different way of working. And yep. even though you're working in an international space, things don't go the same way as oh. I was used to. Um, so that was Vietnam. And then in my th- uh, third or fourth, third year, I went to the States and did my minor abroad. You did it at there. Temple, right? Yeah, oh, did it at yeah, Temple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And another incredible experience. That's one thing that I say to everybody. If you have the opportunity, go to America to study. Because it's like you see in the films. I didn't expect it. I thought (laughs) it really is. um, Selling the American dream over here. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) everybody go. Um, So I went to the States. And then my final year, um, I worked for a sport technology company in Israel. And got the opportunity there to go for the same company, work in Australia. So that was my internship journey. So it's been all over the world, but been incredible i mean just you talking about it now i mean for current students something we can take you know everything happens for a reason because yeah. you want to do one thing you end up doing another how much should we take that advice in terms of sometimes it just goes a different way and you just have to make the best of every situation right yeah absolutely i think there are certain things that um if you have a goal you have to work towards it but don't if you have to s- step right or left to get to that goal, that's absolutely fine. And also we've learned you have to set a goal and work towards it, but goals change all the time. Sure. So I always wanted to work in a certain field or for a certain company. For example, I was always like, okay, I want to work at Nike just because it looks good on my CV. Sure, yeah. I'm not working at Nike anymore, I don't think, because I don't have the credentials anymore. You, you don't know? think? It, I don't think. 
you might see me next year. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there are certain things that just don't go to plan and it's maneuvering your way around it and being flexible. I think being flexible and I, I mean, the Corona pandemic, I think has shown everybody that you can have all the plans in the world, but as soon as something happens that's out of your control, it will yeah. go a completely different way. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, for your minor, you mentioned you went to Temple University mm -hmm. in, in, in the beautiful city of Philadelphia. Yeah, um, city. But just from a purely academic standpoint, can you maybe contrast and compare the way uh, we try to teach at ISMB and, and how they went about their business at Temple? Um, yeah, I absolutely think that it's not comparable. Mm -hmm. um, when I went to the States, obviously it was an adventure, so you want to go to all the parties and yep. participate in all the extracurricular activities. But so that's comparable, the parties that, are comparable. That, that's comparable, okay, yeah, 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 absolutely. But when it comes down to the quality of the classes, I would definitely say um, ISMB is more worldly. Mm -hmm. uh, when we were in the States, it was very focused towards the American market because of course it's America. Yep. So when we, with our international view, came into the class and gave us perspective, it wasn't listened to because it wasn't as important. So everything was very Americanized. It was very how we do it in America and Europe. They do it differently, but we're not going to explain how they do it. Okay. Whereas in ISMB, it was looking from all different perspectives and also from a bird's eye view so that everybody, because you're in such an international and culture, yeah, rich cultured class, um, you get so many different aspects and perspectives mm -hmm. that it makes the content so much richer yeah. because how it works in one country isn't necessarily how it works in the others. And that, that is what I think would, was the biggest difference, right. the different perspectives that you get from ISMB compared to being in America. Yeah. And what was your biggest takeaway? Was the, what was the biggest plus uh, that, that added value to that entire experience? Um, I definitely say because sport is so big yeah. in America, it yeah. was amazing to actually gain an in-depth perspective of how it works. Um, so I definitely, yeah, I'd say that because of course in ISMB we had focused on the American market, but when you're there living it and going to the football games and the basketball games, you sure. really That's live and breathe it. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, no, definitely. And the cheesesteaks, right? Oh I, yeah. I'm vegetarian. So I didn't really like oh, okay, it. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. I did <laughs> oh, try them though, but you did. yeah, I stayed vegetarian afterwards. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great sign. Yeah. It makes oh, sense. Where did you get all this flavor for being so international. I mean, you talk about how it's such a bonus in ISMB, you surrounded yourself in that environment. How how did that then kick on to you wanting to go to country, to country, to country? Um, well, I grew up in the UK and when I was 11, 10, 11, 12, I can never remember, we moved to, to Holland to learn the language. My, dad, my dad's Dutch. And I think that was my first experience of actually going to another country, even though it's not that far away. Obviously, different cultures and ways of doing things. And that's probably where I decided, okay, wait, there's more than just where I grew up or the little village that my friends grew up in. And my, my parents are both really international as well. So my mom and dad have lived in different countries. So from an early age, it's always been, there's more than just where you live. But we didn't necessarily, necessarily travel to loads of different exotic countries or anything. But I think it's just the way that you're brought up and the international environment and cultures. Yeah, 100%. We always talk about an ISMB, right, being outside your comfort zone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it seems like you're outside your comfort zone from a young age, plopped in there by your parents, and that's kind yeah. of just been the recurring theme ever since. Yeah, no, absolutely. They uh, didn't put us into an international school either. We went, we moved to Friesland, of oh, all wow. places. That's a, that's that's a culture right? shock right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, we were sent to a Dutch primary school, and nobody could speak English. So, yeah, it was definitely... Oh. Uh, 
take the girls out of private school in England and put them into a little school in, in Friesland <laughs> yeah, and yeah. let them sink or swim. <laughs> yeah. And you swim. Oh, we swam. Yeah. <laughs> in, in always. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious about your experience in Israel. Because you know, yeah, moving from from different countries and, and different cultures, I think there's a big contrast between Vietnam and then Temple and then then Israel. Uh, can you tell a little bit about yeah. that experience? Well, Israel will always have a special place in my heart. Um, so when um, I was little, my mom was always raving about Israel. Used to live there, um, and it was always a big part of our family to to go there. And I was I always wanted to go, but there had to be a right moment and time to go. And when I got the opportunity to go there and actually work there, um, I jumped at, at the chance. And working, there's there's such such perception of the country and everybody has their opinions about it and everybody can have their opinions about it. But when you actually live there, it's a completely different experience. It's what you see on the news or what people actually think. Mm -hmm. um, Tel Aviv is the most incredible city and I definitely call it my second home. Really? And just the way, the culture, and also the knowledge in terms of, I worked for a sport technology company and Israel's the place to be when it comes to technology. So got the best of both worlds. And um, yeah, as soon as I can, I'll be on a flight back out to Israel. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Um, and when you're working in daily operations in, in your in your startup company right now, uh, do you ever get to a point where your co-founders or your co-workers or some of the freelancers that you work with, they're like, hmm, Jesse, I can... I can tell you have this international scope, this international perspective. Um, well, my English accent definitely helps. Yeah. So um, when we have international uh, clients, I'm normally the one leading the meetings. Um, we work with a few international companies that have offices throughout the world. And that's when I'm put in, into play to lead the meetings with the English accent. I think that definitely helps because it... For some reason, it just sounds a little bit more professional, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so they do definitely um, see that. And and I think the girls that I have the company with are also really internationally orientated, okay. have, have traveled around the world. So with the three of us, um, we've got a lot of culture under our belt. Yeah. Yeah. And is this uh, a setup, this stage in your life, is this a setup for further international travel or, or, or moving elsewhere? Or are you like, no, I want to just settle down and, and, and have a solid base somewhere? Um, no, I definitely see myself living in Amsterdam for the next few years. Okay. Um, when I was in the UK, I was planning on um, going to Canada, doing some more, more travel. But Corona has definitely put me back in Amsterdam. And yep. Um, I think, like we said previously, everything happens for a reason, and I'd love to see more of the world. I think South America is definitely as well mm -hmm. on my list. Wow. But they always say that once you decide to settle, and I think that's a really big <laughs> word because I'm definitely not settling. I like but the phrase you made when yeah, you said settle. Yeah, like se settle. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, they always say, oh, yeah, do it while you still can and get into that momentum. And, um, yeah. I've definitely lost that momentum by being back in Amsterdam, but right. I might get it again. The whole world has lost some momentum. Yeah, right? yeah. no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And on that topic of momentum, we've talked about you moving from place to place and, and so far and, and your studies in ISMB, we've actually got a message from someone that you might recognize that we might want to listen to. That's a good time. Oh. Hey, Jesse, how are you doing? Yeah, three years ago already. And uh, I was your graduation supervisor. Hope you remember me. <laughs> now we had a great time and uh, I really loved working with you. Uh, you were very proactive, very creative, although you were all uh, across the other side of the world in Australia where you did your internship, uh, your graduation. 
And um, yeah, you did your graduation project for Playside, uh, the private school market you investigated, and uh, yeah, so you did very well. I remember that, uh, although it's three years ago. Uh, we had great conversations, and um, uh, yeah, the one thing I remember you. We were. This was before Corona, so uh, the Zoom, Zoom, and uh, Skype was still uh, in prehistoric state. But um, I remember us uh, contacting uh, several times, and one time you, I think it was your boyfriend. He was half naked, running uh, behind you somewhere. Um, and this was in the summer of Australia, and we were in wind. I think it was February, March, or something. So we had a great laugh about it. Um, yeah, so uh, I hope you're doing well. I just looked at your LinkedIn page and, and yeah, so you were a managing a marketing manager. So yeah, that's my my subject. So I, I really uh, uh, like and love to see that. Uh, and hope you're doing well and uh, have fun uh, in the podcast. Bye-bye. Yeah, yeah, that's a true story. Where do we start? I mean, yeah, do we start I professionally don't. or do we start with the fact you've got naked people running about in the background? Yeah, no, that was uh, definitely, he's he's going to be really embarrassed about that as well. Yeah, it's still something that um, <laughs> I don't think Matthijs will uh, forget. Yeah, awkward. That's fantastic. But in terms of like Australia, we haven't even, we've got to that. Yeah, I mean, right. that, yeah. going down under, I'm going to restrain from doing an Australian uh, accent. Oh, please try. No, no. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, but... How was that? I mean, other side of the world, you talk about going places. I mean, that's the furthest you can go from here. So, Yeah, so Australia has always been somewhere that I want to go to, uh, wanted to go to. Um, so when I was in Israel, I actually thought to myself, okay, how am I going to get to Australia? And I knew that they were going to open an international office in Melbourne. So when I was in Australia during my second week, I already approached the CEO and I said, okay, so I've heard you, you're opening up an uh, Australian office. Dropping hints. Your yeah. second week already? Second week. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I've proved myself for two weeks now. It's, it's time. <laughs> um, and I approached him and he said he was going to think about it. And the week after, um, I was invited to sit in on the meeting that they were having with the then manager of Australia. And they said, yeah, we're will actually be accepting your offer and you can go to Australia. And I said, okay, there's um, one other thing that I want to ask you. Can my boyfriend come as well and work for the same company? So you were oh. negotiating right away? Yeah. Okay. I was like, take it or leave it. List of demands. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they accepted that too. So the two of us went to Australia and um, we worked for the same company as I worked in Israel. So PlaySite, Sport Technology. And um, we were there for, we worked for one and a half years at the company and then went traveling through Australia. Amazing, yeah. amazing. I mean, there's so many questions that pop to mind about that because I always wanted to go to Australia as well. Um, hopefully after Corona it will happen. But in terms of the work-life balance, how did you manage that in terms of traveling afterwards? I mean, how was that experience? Um, it, it was an incredible experience. We um, bought an old uh, Land Cruiser, Land Cruiser from 2008, and decided to travel up the west coast of Australia. Fantastic. And down through the middle. And um, yeah, that was definitely a memorable few months because, um, yeah, you don't see that many people, but you see a lot of kangaroos and a lot of crocodiles and sharks. And yeah. it, it was it was amazing. And we also did New Zealand while we were on the same side of the world. Oh, so lots of lots of travel. Uh, but yeah, I would absolutely recommend West Coast of Australia to everyone. Yeah, how much do you encourage like students as well? Because you've got this period where you go abroad to make sure they maximise the time that they have 
traveling and going to places how much you uh, advise us to you know not just focus on the work but also take some time when you can to experience other things like traveling yeah absolutely uh, w- when you're on in a different country everything feels like an adventure so work might feel less like work because you're in a different place mm. with different people so every time i remember my friends who were also abroad it would always be w- weekends this weeks there um, my biggest advice would also be to plan two weeks just after your internship to actually get to know the place that you've been because obviously you're you're working and you're socializing with the locals yeah. but you don't actually get to do the touristy things right. Right. as much well that's what i've experienced anyway when you're living somewhere it's different than travel so yeah just two weeks afterwards and just actually travel like a proper tourist and see the places and go to the places that you see in the lonely planet and things like that <laughs> there you go <laughs> and you're, at, you're again at planning yeah huh? planning. yeah exactly yeah, 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 yeah write yeah. it all out well, you're living in melbourne right yeah i mean that's a sports hub in itself how much did that kind of expose you to so many different sports and cultures oh incredible so we worked at a sports technology company that was actually present at the australian open oh, oh, wow. so, so i was uh, ah. two years at the australian <laughs> open and also the grand prix and the racing uh, horse racing so yeah no definitely melbourne and melbourne cricket ground definitely place to be and we also um had the uh, technology installed at a few basketball clubs as well so we i tried to learn a little bit more about basketball but we'll we'll talk about that later yeah Yeah. (laughs) no problem in terms of i mean this i mean you're talking about so many highs you've got so many good good stories there was a point during your studies that you thought well it was a bit of a low point had to come back from um i definitely think traveling always everybody's always like oh that's incredible what you've done but you forget that you're actually leaving quite a lot behind um Mm -hmm. so obviously there were smaller stints uh vietnam was only four months um but you're in such a different part of the world with different cultures and of course you're immersed in it and most of the times it's highs but there are a lot of lows that you miss your family and your friends and just the normal shops the Albert Hain, you know, those <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. those those things. And especially when um, we were in Australia, we were contemplating actually staying there. Oh. Um, but as much as I love being abroad and traveling, um, I, I definitely realized that friends and family, you, I can't miss them for too long. Yeah. So those moments were definitely, I wouldn't say low, low, but the moments that you realize what you are missing when you're seeing the rest of the world. Yeah, a burning question I had um, okay. that I really wanted to ask you was, the fact, where do you get your drive from? Because you're always on the go. You're you're very highly motivated, getting up from early hours from a young age. Where does that drive come from? I think I'm just really competitive. So um, I always want to be the best at everything I'm doing, um, which is really annoying for the people around me. Um, but yeah, competitiveness in, in everything, um, in sport. Also, I, I can't just go to the gym and just run on a treadmill. It has to be, I, I have to be doing something that's competitive. And also in work, as, as soon as I submit something or send something, I want it to be the best it can be. So that's definitely where the drive comes from. Just competitiveness, pure competitiveness. And do you think that strives from both of your sisters or, or your siblings, sorry, or, um, com- like professional athletes, right? Yeah, yeah. So fun fact, my two younger sisters are both uh, professional athletes. So my youngest sister is um, a rower and um, is currently training for the World Championships rowing under 23. And my other sister is a skater and it's Olympic season. So hopefully she'll be at the 2022 uh, Olympic Games. So there's definitely been rivalry within the family in terms of competitiveness. I mean, game nights are competitive, (laughs) but... um, 
my parents have always been really chilled. So we are competitive, but there's never been any pressure whatsoever. So I think it's just more my personality of being competitive and wanting to get the most out of it. But we've always been um, supported in everything we've done as long as we've done our best for it. Fingers crossed, by the way, for getting to Olympics. Yeah, absolutely. Did you ever have to fight for the the spotlight, fight for the attention? No, so um, compliments my parents for that one. Nice. Um, but they did make sure we all did different sports. So that was the only rule in the house. <laughs> we were never allowed to do the same sport. So I was the swimmer, but um, for the people listening, I'm one meter 60. So that doesn't really get you to the other side very quickly. Yeah. And my younger sisters are um, at least 10 to 15 centimeters taller. So looking back, I think I would have definitely been a better skater, for example, than my other sister. So, yeah, um, we did different sports. But looking back, I think we could have swapped a little bit and one of them could have done the swimming and I could have done something else. What could have been there? Well, you're also sitting beside two of the tallest podcast hosts, I think, ever, possibly. Yeah. Perhaps, yeah. If we take yeah. a picture later, <laughs> I'll, I'll stand on share. <laughs> So um, uh, containing that competitive fire, I, I, I'm just imagining the dinner table, right? Where mm -hmm. everybody's sitting there and, and, and maybe you're proud of your accomplishments or you try to one-off each other or whatever. Um, was there any, uh, any time a situation where that needed to be contained or you, know, you were trying to show off maybe? Or um, Well, I'm the oldest, so I'll always be the proud older sister. So I think when it comes to accomplishments, I would always ask about my sisters and how they're doing. And of course, I'm their older sister, so they're always proud of what I'm doing. But um, I'm always a person that will ask others how they're doing. And some moments I felt like my accomplishments, I wouldn't say were forgotten, but um, of course, we're all, all, all three of us are doing something when we have news and yeah. lots to tell. So some moments, of course, you have to just sit back and listen because there'll be another moment for you to shine. But there's always a lot of chat at the dinner table and a lot of news to tell. Sure, yeah, yeah, I can imagine. And now uh, when, when you go back home uh, and, and you guys gather around the dinner table once again, you're talking about your competitiveness in the business world. Mm -hmm. um, is that of added value to your younger sisters where they can maybe learn from what you're doing as an entrepreneur and they can apply it to their sports? Yeah, so my uh, sister who skates actually has her own company. Ah, so okay. she's um, an entrepreneur in itself. She has her own coffee company to fund her way to the Olympic Games. So um, she is doing an incredible combination of both skating, wow. studying and her wow. own company. So, yeah, maybe the competitiveness is in the family to, to always do more. Um, and my younger sister, um, we were at the dinner table a few weeks ago and she said, yeah, I'm never going to be an entrepreneur. It's just not in me. But I do want to open my own psychology practice. And, okay. <laughs> and we looked at her and was like, you do know that's, that's being an entrepreneur. Oh, oh OK. So I, th I think it's just in us. But that, yeah. yeah. So that settles it, right? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Okay. Yeah, three for three. <laughs> nice. That's a good segue in terms of um, the current students. We're doing entrepreneurship right here, right now. What tips would you give us in terms of trying to start our own business and being entrepreneurial and the skills that come with that? Um, first of all, I'd say say yes to everything. So even if you think that's not going to necessarily be the way you want to go or what you want to do, if there's an opportunity, just just take it and see where it takes you because by saying yes, later on, you can always say, oh, no, this isn't working out. But if you say no straight from the get-go, then there's never going to be a yes again. So that's definitely something that I've learned. Just say yes. And even if that means that you have no idea how you're going to do it, just, I wouldn't say fake it till you make it, because I think that 
that's not the best thing to do. But just say yes and make sure you, you fix it. And otherwise, there are always people around you that can help you. Don't, yeah, don't be afraid to ask for help, but just say yes. So, Jesse, uh, before we end the session, uh, one last question, I think. Uh, if you had to give one piece of, of, of advice to the listeners, to the alumni current students, what would it be? Um, my mum always had this really good saying of be nice to the people on your way up because you might meet them on the way down. And I think that's what I live by every day because um, I've had a lot of incredible experiences and opportunities, but never to get arrogant about it or to to show other people how well you're doing. Of course, you can be proud of yourself, but don't bypass people. So the volunteering opportunities or the people that ask for your help or um, those friends that just need that extra chat just because you're busy make time for it because you might be on a high now but there will be a low at one point and you want those friends and those people to be there for you too so yeah always be nice to friends family but also random people on your way up because there will be times that you come down yeah is that yeah. is that also almost uh, more than just a personal mantra but a business mantra for your for your marketing agency yeah absolutely so at the beginning obviously you take on clients that can't afford a certain rate that you're asking for or they want a little bit extra or you have to have your phone on at 10 o'clock at night for the questions and I think that's part of part of it and I think it's also part of personality because as soon as you get too arrogant for what you're doing at the end of the day people do business with people so sure. you want to be a likable person so I think this is definitely something that I will take with me in every facet of my life so personal professional and relationships just always be nice always don't, be nice don't be a dick don't be a dick there you go <laughs> no dick heads yeah. <laughs> would you say that, that that's your your motto almost would you say yeah definitely i have two that's definitely one of them and also my second one is be happy in all you do so it sounds a little bit cliche but there's no point in doing things that you don't enjoy doing because it won't be sustainable mm. so yeah Everything that you do, every every decision you make, make sure that you've done it because it's coming from a place of happiness. Yeah. Well, on, on that subject of happiness, unfortunately, we have to close the podcast, which is a bit unhappy. <laughs> but Jesse, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. Um, it's been an absolute blast. And to all of our listeners, it's been great that you followed along to Inside Out, the podcast for and by alumni and the current students of Sports Studies program of the Hulskol van Amsterdam. Look back at who you are, but also look forward to who you want to be. Thank you for listening and speak to you again soon. <laughs>